happy Thanksgiving, and we have much to be thankful for. Um, my dad's 60th birthday party was yesterday, and um, my sister had a good idea, and uh, she said, let's, let's do something different for dad's birthday. I'm like, well, what do you have in mind? And she says, I want to get a bunch of people, at least 60 people, to write a letter uh, remembering dad and just giving some sort of um, thought about him that they remember. I said, well, that's probably a good idea. She said, do you think he'll like it? I said, yeah, I think he will. Um, so we went ahead and did it. And yesterday, um, we gave him all 60 of those letters. And um, I'm just thankful for the godly heritage that I have. Um, the song that was just sung talks about, you know, the, there's no greater joy than to have your children knowing that Jesus Christ uh, died for them. And uh, my dad gave us that and he gave us much more. And he gave that to a lot of other people as well. And it was fun to people from work, people from his childhood, people from the old Sunday school class that he taught before I, I was probably even thought of. And um, just people writing in and saying, you're a real Christian, you're the real thing. Um, you've lived for God, you've, you've stayed true, and uh, you, you focus on the word of God. And so I'm just so thankful for that today. And uh, it's just so, super fresh on my mind. And I'm, um, we sat around for two, almost two and a half hours uh, just reading through those letters. Uh, my dad bawling his face off, all of us bawling our faces off, laughing hysterically some of the memories and things. And uh, so it was just a lot of fun and uh, just a great way to honor my dad. And so I'm very thankful for my parents and for what they mean to me. But Deuteronomy chapter 30 um, is an interesting passage. Before we get into that, um, I, want, I want to remind you of a story that all of us probably have some recollection of. And that's the prodigal son. And I'm thankful that I never became a prodigal son. Um, I always had a good relationship with my parents. Um, my mom and I fought probably the most, um, but it was never to the point where I was leaving home never to return or anything like that. And so I praise the Lord for that. Um, but the prodigal son is an interesting story. And I think um, it's an interesting story in that a, a, he was a perfectly normal son, didn't have necessarily anything wrong. We don't see anything, but he decides he's going to take... Uh, his father's inheritance, what he had coming to him, and uh, he takes it and lives a riotous life and squanders all of that inheritance. He ends up working for a pig farmer, as most of you know this, and eats pig slop uh, to stay alive. I can't imagine that. But he comes to himself, the Bible says, and uh, he thinks about what his father's servants have and that it is so much better than what he is currently going through. My father's servants have food to eat, but yet I'm here um, eating with the pigs. So he decides he's going to return to his father's house and become a servant. We know the story. He gets there. He's greeted by his father with hugs and kisses and all kinds of, uh, puts royal apparel upon him, puts him the best clothing, prepares a feast for him. All of these things, and listen, this is a, uh, the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son is a wonderful story of forgiveness and really restitution. Everything coming back the way it should be. Now, I can't imagine that it was all roses after that. I'm sure there were some things that they had to work out as father and son, but there was some forgiveness and restitution made. 
But I want to ask this question. How many of us, and you don't have to raise your hand, but I want you to think about it. How many of us can actually relate to that story? How many of us can actually relate to that story? I am sure there are some of you in here that can actually relate to that story. You could put your name in the Bible and that's the story you lived. How many of us can actually uh, see ourselves leaving our father and going and doing exactly what we want to do? The reality of the situation is that for myself and for probably some of us in here, we can't fully relate to the story. I mean, like I said, I never left home. I had a great relationship with my parents. Um, I, I never, uh, other than when I was a kid and got in trouble, I never really thought about leaving home. Um, when I was a kid and got in trouble, I was like, man, I'm leaving. This stinks. I'm, you know, I hate uh, being punished, all this stuff. But I just always had a great relationship with my parents. I, I can't directly relate to this story. And I'm sure there are many in here that can and can't. But there are, our passage this morning is a prophetic passage. And that it shows what will happen if we ever get into a situation like the prodigal son. It shows us what's going to happen if the children of Israel ever get into a position like the prodigal son. In which they have everything that they need yet they decide that they're going to go out and they're going to waste what they've been given. Moses has told the children of Israel that if they will obey God, there will be blessings. Moses has told the children of Israel, if you disobey God, there will be cursings. And he spent the last several chapters explaining those cursings in great detail. How they will happen. What's going to take place if you disobey God. But he continues in our passage, and I want you to notice this with me in verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 1, the Bible says this. And it shall come to pass... When all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord thy God hath, hath driven thee, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul. That then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. If any of thine be driven out unto the utmost parts of heaven from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee and from thence will he fetch thee and the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed and thou shalt possess it and he will do thee good. And multiply thee above thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and on them that hate thee which persecuted thee. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments which I command thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, 
to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of the law, in this book of the law. And if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul. I'd like to preach to you a message that I've simply entitled, Returning. Returning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning. Father, every single one of us needs this message to some extent. Whether we have fully left at one time or another, or Father, we've just maybe even thought about it. Father, I pray that you would help us to return to your ways. Because we owe it to you, really. It's our reasonable service. I pray that you would just help us to remain focused on the fact that you died for our sins. You've given everything for us. Help us to return to you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Simply returning. I want to make a statement, and and I believe it's a true statement. I believe it's a statement that I think all of us should agree with, but I think it's something that we don't necessarily think about. Here's the statement, very simply, revival is a return to God. Revival is a return to God. Often we talk in churches about revival. We need to have revival. We need, to, uh, we need God to send revival. And we need God to uh, uh, bring all of these things to us. And we need to experience the power of God. And we need to see Christians giving their lives back to God. And we need to see unsaved people coming to Christ. We need revival. But can I tell you this? Revival is a return to God. Revival is returning back to God. Listen, God doesn't necessarily send revival. Revival comes when we return to God. When we turn back to the Lord. Though we may not be able to completely relate to the story of the prodigal son or completely relate to having left God completely. I believe every single person in this room should be able to admit that we have left God to a certain extent. I believe every one of us can admit or should be able to admit that we have left God to a certain extent. We've done what we've wanted to do in a certain part of our lives. Or we've stepped away from God in this part of our lives. And maybe we go to church every Sunday. Or maybe we, uh, you know, claim Christ or whatever it might be. But yet we've left what God has instructed us to do in some way, shape, or form. We should be able to admit that we haven't always fully and completely followed him. Now... Is everybody with me? Can, can you just give me a head shake if you think, you know what, yeah, that's right. We've all left God in some way, shape, or form. I believe that's correct. I will stand in front of you, raise both of my hands, and say, I have left God in some way, shape, or form in the last week. Probably today. We all do it. We all step aside and do what we want to do. We all step aside and, and don't fully 100% all in, give ourselves to God. And so I want to give you three statements this morning about returning or revival, if you will. The first statement is simply this. No one made you leave. Think about the story of the prodigal son. Nobody made him leave. Think about Israel. Nobody made them leave. I want you to look at verse 1 again with me. 
The Bible says, and it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee. When all these things are come upon thee. Now, I want you to think, what things were coming upon them? Well, the verse says it, the blessings and the cursings. Well, why were the blessings and the cursings come upon them? Well, we know the blessings came when they did what? Help me out. Obeyed. Excellent. I just need you to stay with me this morning. And the cursings came when they disobeyed. So what they did brought about an effect. What they did brought about blessing. What they did brought about cursing. You see, nobody made them do anything. They chose. Remember last week we talked about choice being the opportunity for us to exercise control. God gave us choice. God gave us the opportunity to be able to choose whether we will obey or disobey. But know this, nobody makes you obey and nobody makes you disobey God. Every one of us has probably heard the saying, the devil made me do it. Although an easy cop-out and probably the devil tempted you to do it, he did not make you do it. He didn't make you do it. He may have convinced you to do it, but he doesn't make you to do it. The cursings came upon the children of Israel because they chose to leave the commandments of God. It was their choice. No one forced them to leave. No one forced them to disobey. They did it of their own volition. Some of you may say, Pastor Yeomans, you just don't understand the circumstances that I was in when I left. You don't understand what was surrounding me. You don't understand what that person did to me. You don't understand uh, what type of pressure I was under. You don't understand what it's like being in that position. You don't understand. You don't understand. And you're probably correct. I probably don't understand. I probably don't understand what you were going through. I probably don't understand your emotional state. I probably don't understand the circumstances that all surrounded this. But I don't know. But the circumstances pulled you away from obeying God. But this I do know. We are responsible for our sin. Eve, though she was blatantly deceived, was responsible for her sin. And Adam came along not being deceived, the Bible says. And he looks and eats and takes responsible for his sin. Regardless of the love of his life taking eat already, regardless of whatever the circumstances are around it, we are responsible for our sin. No one made you leave. That makes every single individual responsible for himself. Responsible for leaving God. You look at the children of Israel. You look at them and you say, well, I mean, they had all kinds of different false gods all around them all the time. They had to serve them. No, they didn't. They didn't have to serve them. In fact, God told them to do the exact opposite. And he said, destroy them. Get them out from amongst you. Get them out of the way. Don't even look at them. Don't, don't go near them. Just keep them away. Don't do anything like that. You might look at the children of Israel and you might see already that we've already discussed there were Im immodest 
loose women all around them. Did, they, did that force them to commit whoredoms with the daughters of Moab? No. They, they weren't forced to do it. They chose to do it. Nobody made them leave. They had their own people, I'm sure, mistreat them. I'm sure the Israelites had their own people cause pain for the entire congregation. We know this in Joshua. We see Achan causing pain for the entire nation because he chose. Every person was held personally responsible for their own actions. And I want you to know that today. Every single person in this room here today is personally responsible for your actions. Your spouse didn't make you do it. Your kids didn't make you do it. Your pastor didn't make you do it. Your pa- I mean, you can fill in the blank. The, the, the bad people at church or the hypocrites at church or the whatever you want to fill in the blank, they didn't make you do anything. Nobody made you leave. Did it of your own volition. Let me give you this, a famous saying, two wrongs never make a right. So listen, somebody does you wrong and you say, fine, I'm done, I'm leaving. Don't do that because two wrongs never make a right. Two wrongs never make a right. So please understand this. I think I've said it enough that no one made you leave. So if you're separated from God and you've decided that you want to do what you want to do, in any way, shape, or form, big, small, tiny, big, huge, large, whatever it is, nobody made you leave. You did it of your own volition. The second thing that I want you to see this morning is this. As long as you think you're okay, you won't return. Understand this, please. As long as you think you're okay, you won't return. Look at verse 1 again. The Bible says this. It shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee. And hear this. And thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations with the Lord thy God hath driven thee. Calling them to mind. All of a sudden you begin to start thinking, whoa, I remember something. God saying something about this. Think, again, think about the prodigal son. Think about where he was. And remember, he comes to himself and says, my father's servants have something better than this. It was until he realized he needed help that he didn't do anything about it. When he realized, oh man, I'm eating slop with the pigs. Do you think it was the first day that he ate slop with the pigs? I don't. Because the Bible says that he was eating with the pigs. It was a continual thing. And then all of a sudden, he gets sick of it. He gets sick of doing this. I'm sick of being here. I'm sick of doing all these things. He's no longer okay. He says, I'm done with it. And he goes. This seems so obvious. But this is the root of the problem with not returning to God's commands. This is the problem with our church not having revival. This is the problem with all Christianity not having revival is we think we're okay. I'm okay. I'm not that bad. Well, compared to I'm not that bad. 
As long as you think you're okay, you won't return. I want you to see this. What you focus on is what you will think about. What you focus on is what you will think about. Listen, if you are constantly telling yourself that it's someone else's fault, that you are where you are, then guarantee you this, you will continue to stay away from God. Listen, I got hurt by a Baptist church 28 and a half years ago. And that's all I can focus on. Listen, you won't return to God if that's your focus. The moment that changes and your focus turns and says, listen, I was hurt 28 years ago, but I need something else. I need to forget those things which are behind and reach forward under those things which are before and press toward the mark. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on God. Keep my eyes focused on the mark. If you're constantly telling yourself, listen to this, it's no big deal. You know what you'll think? It's no big deal. If I tell myself that drinking alcohol is no big deal, then it's, it won't be a big deal. If I keep telling myself that looking at pornography is no big deal, then it won't be a big deal. You tell yourself what you focus on is what you will think about. The instruction for the children of Israel is found in Deuteronomy chapter 11. I want you to take you back there. Deuteronomy chapter 11, look at verse 18. Deuteronomy 11 Verse 18, the Bible says this, Therefore shall ye lay up these words in your heart and in your soul, watch this, and bind them for a sign upon your mind, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. He doesn't stop there, though. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates. And he continues, understand this. God said to the children of Israel, put it in front of you. Put it in front of you. The commands that I'm giving you, put it in front of you. Put it in front of you. Put it in front of you. Put it in front of you so you have something to focus on. What you focus on is what you think about. Keep these commands front and center. Keep me front and center. In fact, write it on the doorpost of your house. In fact, put it on your mind all the time. In fact, tell your kids about it when thou risest up and when thou walkest and when thou sittest by the way. And all of these things, wherever you are, talk about it, talk about it, look at it, read about it, think about it. All of these things constantly keep it in front of you because what you focus on is what you will think about. The commands of God were to be in front of the children of Israel at all times. They were to focus on those things so that they would constantly be in tune with God. I'm going to take you over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Let's apply this to our lives. James chapter 1, verse 22. James chapter 1 and verse 22. The Bible says this, but be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, 
Watch this. I love this. Deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into, watch this, the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of this work, this man shall be, here it is again, blessed in his deed. You see, listen, the key here in all of this is as long as you think you are okay, understand this, you are deceiving yourself. Most of us think we're deceiving everybody else, don't we? <laughs> Got news for you, you're just deceiving yourself. You may even be good enough to deceive some other people, but guarantee this, you are not deceiving God. And he knows if you're obeying or disobeying. He knows what you're doing, and so do you. Every one of us here this morning has something that we have walked away from God on. Can I challenge you this? Look diligently into the word of God. Keep it close to you and beg God to show you where you've erred. Every one of us, I hope you should do this, gets up in the morning and looks in the mirror. Please do, if you don't. You look in the mirror and you go, whoa. When I wake up in the morning and right now my hair is a little bit longer than it should be, I hate it. But my hair is everywhere. It's crazy. But listen, I can focus on something else and I can say, I'm okay. I'm okay. Ah, that's not that big of a deal. And walk out, come to church, stand up in front of here and preach to you. And every single one of you would go, what is his problem this morning? Why didn't he do his hair? Why didn't he shower? Why didn't he brush his teeth? Why didn't he put deodorant on? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I don't, I don't stink. My hair looks great. This is the new fashion. You know what I'm doing? deceiving myself I'm telling myself something that is untrue in order to make myself feel better we do that spiritually all the time I'm okay I'm okay I'm not as bad as so and so but what I focus on is what I will think about David said this search me oh God and know my heart Try me, know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Listen, if you want to know what God has said, and you want to know what the mirror is, look into the perfect law of liberty, study it, and return to the commands of God. The kids sang a song not that long ago, you can't stand on promises if you don't know what they are. That's the problem. Most of us don't look into the perfect law of liberty. Most of us don't spend the time knowing what God says. And God said to the children of Israel, bind them as frontlets. Keep them before you all the time. Folks, can I challenge you? Keep them in front of you all the time. Keep it in front of you. 
and return. Realize you are not okay. Realize that every single one of us needs, constantly needs correcting. We constantly need correcting. We constantly need correcting. We're never good enough. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can never make it to God's standard on your own. Keep coming back to the word of God. Keep returning. Keep coming. Keep coming. And keep coming. And know that you can return. The third thing that I want you to see and absolutely incredibly important is this. You can return whenever you want. You can return whenever you want. I want you to look back at Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 2. Gives these things in verse 1 and then he says, And shalt return unto the Lord thy God. Just as simple as that. No circumstantial evidence. No, no, no anything. Just you can return whenever you want. And return unto the Lord thy God. Do you understand this? There is no one that can keep you from returning. There is no one that can keep you from returning. There are no circumstances that can keep you from revival. The children of Israel just had to return unto the Lord their God. They just had to come home. There was no force big enough that could keep them away. The only thing keeping them from returning to God was themselves. That's it. So the only thing keeping you away from revival, the only thing keeping you from returning back to God, the only thing that will keep you from even knowing God as your personal Savior is simply this, yourself. That's the only thing. But look at what happens when we return. We can return at any time we want. We can walk back to Christ. We know the story of the prodigal son. The father welcomes him with open arms. Look at what happens here in verse 3. That then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and will have compassion on thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations where the Lord thy God has scattered thee. If any of thine be driven out unto the outmost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee and from thence will he fetch thee and the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed and thou shalt, excuse me, possess it and he will do thee good. Multiply thee above thy fathers and the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. You know what happens when we return? The Bible says that God returns. God returns. God, I need to return to you. And God says, okay, and I'll start walking towards you. You know what else he does? He gathers you. He gathers us together. He says, listen, you know, I know you've been away before, but let me gather you together. And he says, I'm going to draw you to love me. He, like the prodigal son father, is standing, waiting with open arms to receive you. He says, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. You start making your way back, and God will meet you halfway and get you going and wrap his arms around you and love you. You can return whenever you want, and he's waiting for you. The question is inevitably asked this then, how do I get back? 
How do I get back? How do I see revival? How do I return? Come down to verse 11 in the passage with me, will you? The Bible says this. Watch very carefully. For this commandment which I command thee this day, watch this, it is not hidden from thee. Neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. Watch this, but the word is very nigh unto thee. Watch where it is. It's in thy mouth. Watch where else it is. And in thy heart that thou mayest do it. I believe this. Every single one of us who's gone away from God knows what's right to do. We don't need somebody to tell us, do we? We know what's right to do. We know that we can return whenever we want. We know all these things. It's right here. It's in our heart already because we've been taught it. All you have to do is return to it. I know it sounds simple. It's right next to you the whole time, though. It's literally that simple. I didn't say it was easy. I said it's simple. It's right next to you. Just pick it up and live it. Just pick it up and live it. It's right next to you. Just return. I'm going to give you one last illustration. I'll be finished. Tony Anderson is a composer and a musician. And he relates a story. I'm not sure if it's just something he experienced personally. But he relates a story like this. He says, I was in prison. He says, my hands were cuffed together and I was carrying a lunch tray with food. Walked around trying to figure out where I could sit, but nobody would let me sit with them. Finally, I decided to find my own table. I found my own table to the side. I sat down and just stared at my food. He said, right then, Jesus came walking in. In the prison. He said, Jesus had prison clothes on, just like I did. He said, Jesus came over and sat down across from me. Didn't say a word. He said, I looked at Jesus and I asked him, will you eat with me again? You know what Jesus said? I'll eat with you any time you want. I don't care if you're in prison. I don't care if you're drawn away from me. I don't care where you are. I'll eat with you anytime you want. Why? Because God has an unconditional love for us. The story doesn't stop there, though. The story goes on. Jesus says, I'll eat with you anytime you want. But he says, by the way, the door is open. You can leave whenever you want. You see, many of us are shackled to sin that we love. So many of us are in prison 
to sin that we love and we've gone so far that nobody wants to be with us anymore. Nobody wants to sit with us. But can I tell you this? Jesus wants to sit with you. He wants to eat with you. And he wants to bring you out of that prison. He's already been there. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And he says, listen, the door's open. You can leave whenever you want. Folks, can I challenge you today? Don't stay in that prison. Don't stay there any longer. You can leave whenever you want. God so desperately wants to be with you. He so desperately wants to eat with you. In fact, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, behold, just stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, what will he do? I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. God so badly wants that. Listen to me, however far away you are. However far away, you might be off the deep end. Or you might have just strayed just a little bit. However far you are away, will you return? Will you just return? And God says, and you remember, when you return, I'll be here waiting with open arms. And then you'll receive blessings and I'll gather you. However far away. Will you return?